Hi, welcome to Five Days with Doug. I'm Doug Perkins. I'm excited today to share a conversation I had with Donald Nally a couple weeks back. He is a wonderful conductor who runs a group in Philadelphia called The Crossing. They're a great choir. He also works down the street from my house at Northwestern, and that's where I caught up with him in his office a couple weeks back. He is a kinetic individual who is always on the go doing a million creative things, and he is certainly an inspiration to me for that. We have a very open and wonderful conversation talking about so many things. He, we end the podcast uh, talking about love, love in art, love in life, and um, he bothers me about why the heck I'm doing this podcast. We talk about what it's like being teachers, and he talks about the joy he has in teaching. We talk about what it is to trust other musicians as a, when you're leading them uh, and how you can learn in that process. We also have a kind of an incredibly intimate conversation about death to kick things off. I think, you know, we sit down and have some nice chit-chat, and then pretty quickly... Um, have have a very intimate conversation in that, you know, when exactly just about the day I met Donald, uh, his co-founder of The Crossing um, passed away in, a, in Los Angeles with the group. And um, that obviously is a very meaningful moment and touch point in his life and the life of his group. Um, but then we also go on to talk about parents and aging and uh, what it is to to lose loved ones and um, so, uh, hang with us. I, I was wondering whether I should, should post, post this or not. Uh, I feel like Donald is the kind of guy who, who is warts and all. And I, I guess I endeavor to be more like that. Um, so I'm, 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 I'm letting you join us on our conversation about some, some of our innermost fears, I guess, or feelings. Uh, you know, death is something I don't think many of us talk about. Um, so that, that comes up and it comes up pretty fast. Um, but I guess that is to know, um, my relationship with Donald, uh, we have that kind of intimacy with each other and uh, I love him for it. So, uh, if, if you don't want to hear the sad part, you know, just fast forward a little bit and then we'll get back to, um, a very passionate conversation about music um, but listen to the whole thing. It's really wonderful. He is insightful and honest and yeah, and enjoy this conversation with Donald Nally. Hi, Donald. Welcome. Hi, Hi Doug. <laughs> Hi, Doug. You caught me in the middle of my coffee. That's fine. Um, well, thanks for talking to me now Now officially. Right. And everything you say from this moment forward <laughs> could potentially be on the record. Yes. Mm -hmm. um, but There's maybe, a lot of stuff on the record that I wish wasn't, and this may number among those. So. That's fine. But, you know, yeah, so I don't know. I just thought we'd get together and put I think it's good. in our hands. I think it's good. I'm thrilled, and I, I like talking about the stuff that we talk about and it's nice to 
set it down as you say to make a record because we've had some awesome conversations we have yeah so may this one be okay yeah yeah it's, so it's, i've been asking people initially like i didn't make you do homework I've, I've sometimes made people uh since i'm calling the podcast five days with doug i've made them write down what they hope to do in the five days before the podcast and then oh. to see how they did at getting it done but i feel of you that you're just kinetic uh, I was just saying, I, 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 you gave me a panic attack because I thought, did I was I supposed to? Did I miss an email? No, 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 you did not miss an email. Okay, I, I, oh I did God. not because you've been busy a little bit. Yeah, but I mean, you know, everybody is. It's just like, in a way, you know, it's that it's that kind of thing that's. Do you think busy is sort of like also, um, like my pain? You know, people get other people's pain. You're like, well, you don't hurt as much as I do. That's not that important. You know, I've got like big problems and. And it's busy is the same thing. You're like, oh my god, I'm so busy. You know. Yeah, yeah. It's a word that means nothing. Yeah, right. Every, and, but everybody thinks that. You know, people totally. living in huts out in the middle of the woods go like, God, there's so much to do, and there probably is. So. You're just somebody I think about. I know when we try to, I feel like we've been trying to have a cocktail for about nine months now. That's true. And for no, and so it's hard. Yeah. We're we're people that are we're we're. Uh, if we're not busy, we're we're well scheduled. We're fully scheduled. We're poorly scheduled. We're I don't know what it is, but it's true. I mean, it's 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 interesting because when Stephen and I were talking about whether or not we were going to come and take this job at Northwestern, um, um, when we had like real conversations, are we going to go be like college professor and and therefore have rehearsals at night and go to student recitals at night and other people's ensemble re- concerts at night and and all this kind of stuff. And how are we going to do that? Are we going to, because we're norm, we're used to having rehearsal every single night. And so it's just going to be a different form of that. But at the same time, it's a lot, you know, um, because whenever there's a, an opening that you're not rehearsing, then you, then there's that thing that you want to go to hear or see. And sometimes you're just exhausting. You can't do it. And so, yeah, that, that plays into the, when do you have the cocktail thing? Because you're going to see some thing that you committed to i'm glad that we made the decision to do it i'm glad that we're doing it that way like really full immersion um meaning your life here yeah when i'm here you know but i'm only here you know a collective six months out of the year probably well, i was gonna say that's the for many people uh if they were to be a college professor that would be enough some people just do that part and give themselves a big old high five and yeah then then they have the time for gardening and stuff but you you run a big organization in Philadelphia and sometimes are running all about Chicago and and elsewhere directing other people's choirs and telling them what to do. All of which I'm fitting around the gardening, of course. <laughs> <laughs> totally. Yeah. That comes first. <laughs> I have this person who does the <laughs> all, all the weeding. Um no, I yeah, it's it's incredible gift. Because you, I feel like you're driven by. I describe you as a passionate man. I, I, th- I think you're driven this by is not ideas. Fair because they can't see me blushing. It's good. So. Well, I'm just, I'm, and I'm doing this all for the pr- for the purposes of the blush, <laughs> for my own amusement. Yes, right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, you that's got good. It. It's there. Because um, you'd have it no other way. And I mean, I think I'm similar. That you don't, you don't think about it as you just think of i'm so happy to have opportunities and i got a chance to do this cool thing let's see what it does 
Yeah, I mean, grateful I, all the time. Like, I, I think people probably get tired of hearing me saying it. You know, they think like it must be disingenuous or something because it's, um, it's so true. I'm, I love what I get to do with the people that I get to do it with because they're they're all. I, mean, I just yep, yeah, you know, what two, Monday? So, I'm so confused. Yesterday, Monday, yeah. So yeah, a couple two days ago. You know, and David Lang was here, and he wrote us a half-hour unaccompanied piece for my choir here, and he spent the weekend with us, and we coached it and played with it and put it up in front of an audience of people to find out how it works that way. And and they just were awesome. I mean, students were so great and uh, just such artists and so open to themselves and honest in the room and it was just a great time i just came away from it going god i don't know if i could i don't know if there's any more gratitude i could find in me you know i feel that same way working with the bach project here in chicago i feel the same way working in philadelphia all the time because everybody's so nice that's great yeah and well let me ask you a question about that you're being being somebody who uh you're full of the gratitude and you had this great weekend. At what point do you think about what's next? Do you allow yourself many hours to live in the gratitude? Is your week one of oh, taking the chance? Oh, I, thought, or, I didn't understand what you meant. Or do you close? I thought the, you meant, you, are you trying to suggest I should retire soon? No, no, no. Or do you, do you, cause <laughs> I, I, I'm only curious. I'm the kind of person I feel that way all the time, but well, I think as, from you've probably seen me feel this way when we work together that by the time concerts happen i am happy but i am i am already right lifting off in my yeah. brain to um well you know yeah i mean i i like the process a lot i mean i think i've learned to enjoy concerts more because i'm um learned to let things go and just be in the moment and not you know just not not stand there and calculate what is going wrong um, so, um, I, but I, you know, there isn't any time. I mean, we went out and had a couple of drinks after the concert, thank God, or I've just, you know, there's <laughs> this, the pile, you looking around my studio, like the, the scores all, all over the place that I'm supposed to be learning right now that that's just never stops, you know, um, tomorrow night I'm coaching this, um, really good um choir here in in town on um statement to the court which was written for me by david and then julia wolf's thirst um which i really didn't know very well i mean i knew water which was come but i don't know them intimately i don't know the movements intimately so um and again like what a privilege i mean somebody says like well you're kind of good at this stuff and would you come and we're going to do this on a concert would you come and just share your thoughts about it? it's it's amazing but I haven't looked at statements court for four years and you know what I mean? Like, it's just like, but, and that's not even the half of it. This morning I, I edited all of this music for, by Edie Hill that we're doing a recording in July because we have so much stuff going on that I have to get the music to everybody now so that, so we don't get in the middle of June and have people say, I, you know, I don't really think I can learn all this. So yeah, it's good. Yeah, and you're living. But you're right. There's a. There's not a lot of. Yeah, you have to. There has to be an activity, or I'm going back to my desk. Right. Because mm -hmm. yeah, I, I I think of well, even there, just in that short span of time, you're you're 
in three worlds. You're in the Northwestern today, which we're giving high fives in the hallways, but we're probably preparing another concert already. Oh, yeah. We're doing Sam Adams just wrote a piece for us and well he hasn't finished actually. <laughs> there you go. It buys you some time. <laughs> if you're listening. <laughs> That's right. Um, hey, hey pal. He hasn't finished. And then Kazim Nakvi from um, Dawn of Midi. Uh, we're oh, doing cool. a piece by his on on this music now concert and then of course there's smaller too <laughs> oh yeah that's coming <laughs> which up is, you know sort of in the middle of that which i'm not connecting so um but um yeah they're the, we're diving right on going on right on in you know because you've got that going on you've got the you know some some the light stuff of tomorrow hearing and coaching a bunch of pieces then you've got the the crossing which you tend to book the crossing to start the second school is done I always feel like you're like, I've got a concert, then I'm going. They have a rehearsal on the night of the Music Now concert here that I can't do. And then and I have, we have a great assistant, you know, and then and then I'll start the day after that. Yeah. <laughs> and then bam. Right and bam. It. And then we're going at it because we've got these um, seven new pieces and then followed by 15 new pieces. So... Yeah. yeah, it's great. The seven, the seven substantial pieces that are responding to Buxahuda's. Oh, yeah, right. You have your Street. big, your big project. Yeah, the seven responses thing that's been going. You know, it's a, been a two and a half year project, and then um, that's followed two weeks later by Jeff Quartet's, which is this really cool project that's a memorial to my co-founder Jeff, who died in front of us um, two years ago, just last week, um, at a rehearsal at the LA Philharmonic. We were doing Andreessen's De Materi. Um and uh, I remember that because that's like the first time I was contacting you about things. Oh, and I and there was, was like, it was like, hey, this sounds really boom, boom. Everything went dark for six weeks at least. Um, and my head went really dark uh, three months later. I think I spent three months well, you're just going, so, I got to keep going. I got to keep everybody. Keep everybody happening. Not being crazy. And and then I came back here. I did a week. I taught a week at Villanova and then I came back here so month of moderns was over and all this kind of stuff and i just like i just went silent <laughs> i just went completely silent but at any rate we have this wonderful memorial project where 15 composers are writing quartets only no divisi this is a real challenge for them um because jeff loved the Brahms quartets he loved the fact that you could do them with four people or eight people or 16 people or 40 people so we asked them all to write pieces that could be treated that way and we're making a book um you know, a, coll a collection that we're going to sell for the Memorial Fund um, with all 15 of them. And, and the publishers have been great. The composers have been great. Everybody's like, yeah, I'll give you 18 months. You can do anything you want with it. So it's been great. That's cool. That's amazing. So I'm dying to get... So Louis Andreessen, his name comes up again. Because of the circumstance, we asked him if you do one. So I'm dying to see this because it's done. And, oh, wow. Cool. And it's with his publisher. So, yeah. So any minute now. Any minute now. I already have like five, I think. Bob Convery, Lou Spratlin, Lancey McCloskey, Santa Ratnitsa, and someone other who I already have. Uh, oh, Benjamin Boyle. So, so there's like, David is one of them. Ted Hearn's writing something. Um, it's a lot of really, yeah, it's amazing. Well, and just nice that to be creating this body of work to honor your friend. Yeah. It's really nice. Yeah. It's good. Actually, Gavin Breyers was in the middle. Well, he had just started to write this piece for us when Jeff passed. And so he dedicated this massive 
well, not massive, but it's a 40-minute piece for Prism, Sax Quartet, and us two, to Jeff. And that's really, and he sort of changed the direction of it. He made it all about eternity, and it's an amazing piece of music, and it's really, it's a wonderful legacy as well. So. That's nice. Cheery. Cheery yeah, stuff. Yeah, no, it's, 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 um, <laughs> we can talk, you want to talk about my father dying? That was just a year ago, and I said <laughs> Jeff two years ago, so we can keep going. <laughs> that's, that's, yeah. Oh, <laughs> yeah, I, well, I, I may have mentioned it to you, I, well, I'm lucky enough to have my parents are still around, mm-hmm. but they are, um, they're getting of the age where the the health scares are increasing and the phone calls are increasing and I'm, I'm girding my loins for girding my loins for death. I think in some ways my mother is, will be expecting a phone call for me as soon as I we're finished here. Um, <laughs> before I go to my rehearsal, we, uh, uh, yeah, ever since my, ever since sh- I love you, mom and dad, who would probably listen to the podcast. I'm not that freaked out. Yeah, right. <laughs> this, this <timer. laughs> like pending. I am thinking about it. But like, like, cool, so we first, she to- started out saying that I should retire, <laughs> and then, I'm just thinking of them being like, "We need to go to Chicago now and show them that we're okay." <laughs> I'm like getting pictures of my parents exercising. <laughs> well, you won't have that from my mother because she was just got out of the hospital and she was in skilled nursing, and now she's on Friday. She's going to move back to personal care, which is really great. Um, so. But she's, yeah, she's up and down. So it's rough. You know. I wish she was happier. That's the, that's the thing I don't know how to solve, you know. I, I, don't know how to, I don't know how to bring, I don't know how to take the I'm bored and unhappy um, and I don't really see any point to any of this chip out of her head. Um, that's tough. Yeah. And phone calls are—that's not the purpose of the phone calls. So, um, yeah. Well, it's not like the—that's f- like the, that's the fear of aging. Yeah, yeah. And we ever we go through this. Last Thursday night, she called me about eight and so nine o'clock there, which is late for for her. Um, and you know, and said, you know, I'm just really scared. I'm going to die tonight. And yeah, you know, it's weird because you. <sighs> It's so unimaginable at my age, you know what I mean? Um, and yet, there it is. Um, and 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 it, listening to it, like admitting fear, you know, about it, which is it's really interesting because I mean, essentially, that's what we deal with every day. You know what I mean? That the topics that we deal with every day, you know, grief and sadness and love whatever that means and pieces of music all the time you know it's just weird to watch it play out in this really verbal way from my mother well when your dad so it's been a year it's been a year and uh, that was rough and she was in the hospital when the anniversary came she had a really bad bout uh about two weeks ago i went home because it was not good were they did they kind of live for each other yeah, I mean, you know, I don't, I don't have the risk of my mother hearing this podcast or whatever. So, um, so I feel like I. Can well, and you can always tell me to. Sh- to yeah, no, up. no. I mean, she, she's not. She, she won't. You know. So, um, but you know, they, if they, they lived together for sixty-five years, and um, they had a, 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 you know, like many many children's view of their parents 
you kind of look at them and go like, wow, I don't know how that works. And I couldn't do that, what that is. Um, so they had a construction that involved pushing against each other all the time. Uh And, um, there was, there was a lot of, uh, angst and a lot of arguing. Um, and it's not an, it's not, uh, an environment that I, you know, could live with as an adult, but that, that was somehow what they chose to do. So, Gave their life structure, and, and and it worked. I mean, for for I mean, that sounds weird because I I don't know I don't I don't really know, again, what that means either. But it seems to have worked. You know, well, it's mm-hmm. very interesting that my so my father, my mother really struggled with my father, um, starting about two years or two and a half years before he passed away because he had dementia, and it got worse and worse. And he would yell, and he wouldn't know it. So, I would say, so you know. Mother tells me that had a little bout last night. Is is there anything I can do? And he just, and he would say, I don't know what she's talking about. I have no idea what we get along great. I don't know what I I don't know why she says that stuff. She's just trying to get you going, you know. Of course. So anyway, it turns out that it was very true, and they eventually said that he can't live in in um, independent living anymore because of uh, his just you know rising inability to control <clears throat> those impulses. Yeah, those impulses. So. Um, What's interesting, why I brought it up, is that she has forgotten it. Oh. Uh, we've just watched uh, a very rapid decline of another friend of ours, a very close friend who I love very much. He was my doctor when I was a young adult <clears throat> and very respected member of the community and uh, wonderful life, two brilliant kids. And, um, and um, he just had a very rapid decline um, into dementia. And, and he's there, like he's, he is totally there. Um, and it's been really hard on their family. Um, but anyway, she, this, this woman, this very good friend of ours lives across the hall, a personal care from my mother. And, um, and my mother will say, you know, I'm so glad we didn't go through that with Jack. And I'll just go, he, don't right. do you remember, you, do you remember that? he would get very upset and he would yell and he did and it's really interesting to me you know and i think there's i think a lot of people there are those people who just can shut off whatever whatever that anxious switch or Mm -hmm. whatever the switch that creates those moments and then it becomes just like it is an endorphin release of some sort and I think I think there are, there are people. I'm a person who really internalizes that stuff. Anytime me and conflict are not mm-hmm. are not great, mm-hmm. and I can't. But then some people I know are very comfortable with high levels of conflict or yelling, and then when it's over, like, well, okay. I've gone through a whole journey in my life about that. So, well, you, you at some level, you, well, growing up with your parents, yeah, and I used to. I'm, I'm you know, and well. Maybe. I don't know. I used to I used to do that. I would like stand in front of groups of people and be inappropriate, just like yelling. Right, we're not, you know, you're gonna get this eighth note now. We're not going anywhere. That's kind of crap, this stupid stuff, right. you know. One of those. Just because I was insecure and dumb. Um But I grew out of it. I had some really good friends who said, You should probably not do that. That's really awful. Um and then thirty years of therapy <laughs> helps. And counting, um, 
this is, I, owe, I owe a lot to my therapist in Philadelphia who I saw for many years. Like I, I, I Skyped her while I lived in Wales. I Skyped her while I lived in Chicago. Um, many for years after I left Philadelphia and it's really great. Um, I, I see someone else now because I felt like we had gotten to a point where there was, it was hard for objectivity because I was, we just knew each other so, so close, well, right? you know, um, and I'm working with someone else and it's really, really, really good and successful. Um, but yeah, many, like many, many years of therapy to try to get, um, to know who that person is in there and why and and to be comfortable with it. like you know i think i was so scared of most of my own emotions my, my <laughs> as you mentioned you know kind of extremes and um and then didn't trust myself didn't trust the people around me didn't really didn't trust the people around me uh-huh you know i that's a coral conductor thing too which is a crappy really? thing to say oh yeah you just get this thing where you feel like you have to start the building blocks and teach them everything. And, you know, and there's like, you know, core choirs have like zillions times more rehearsal than instrumentals ever had. Right. You know? And there's some legitimate reasons to that, but not all. And just, you know, and just get this performance that's like held together by you. You right. are the person who. There's a cult of personality or yeah, a cult of something. Yeah. Around. I've completely gotten rid of that. I just think that's all crap. That's good. People in the room are great they're really capable of doing lots of things many many things you can't do and and if they are not giving the opportunity if you're not listening to what they are bringing you know you're losing all this stuff in the room like you're, you're missing right. out on all this amazing uh contribution and art and intellect and all that kind of stuff because you're going like no it goes like this well from seeing you work with your while well, working with the crossing and working with your students i think you put a lot of trust in them mm-hmm which I, it was immediately impressive when I saw that, that you don't always see that with, as you say, choir conductors. I think you don't. And, you know, the funny thing is that it, part of what has taught me that, part of what taught me that is working really with pros that are really great. You know, opera companies who, regardless of whether the environment can be a big pain in the ass sometimes, you know, because everybody's just miserable four of the seven days out of the week, you know, um, they can do stuff, right? If you let them do stuff, you know, and I, I I had to learn that. Um, and then, and then also new music because you can't, you can't do that in new music. You can't, you know, it's not a Brahms, it's not the Brahms Requiem where you stand there and, you know, every single cue and shape of sound and all that kind of stuff, you, you know, can rely on you. Right. So I, it took me like getting more and more and more and more new music in me to go, you just have to step back. And then applying that to every, all the other kinds of music and going like, wow, it sounds so much better when you, when you let people do stuff, you know, it's been, it's been interesting from, from, I am, I don't want to call myself a conductor. Sometimes I wave my arms publicly in front of people, but I'm, it's, it's a deep, it's a deep, deep craft that um it's been funny because i i love i feel good about being a coach and a chamber music coach i'm very good at the empowerment hands-off thing but when you have to put yourself in front of a group and you are the conductor at some level you are a decision maker you are there to 
at some level be the arbiter of this is what has to happen and when there's enough people in a room there needs to be somebody in charge mm -hmm. um but it's been in, it's the thing that's been on my mind a lot is what is the right amount of control when when to when to assert the control when to cede the control and it's been interesting for me particularly working um i think working with professionals it, it's okay because there's never enough time there's always All right at least yeah. in, you know, rarely no, is there not. enough you know so you're just like okay i'm gonna try to fix these five things and then we're gonna have to i have to rely on you mm -hmm. to get through the day but working when you have more time or when you're working with students when you have to get some teaching in there and empowering mm -hmm. i've mostly been aware of when i can screw it up by you can direct too much or you can say the wrong thing or you can yeah it's that's also you know teaching has has really taught me a lot um and and some of what it's taught me is how to articulate what what my what my philosophy is. Uh huh. You know the idea that the that the conductor is largely the person. Um, you know, conducting is 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 a lot about agreement. Um, like we're agreeing about uh, meaning, mm -hmm. or you know, just through communication with each other. We're we're you know, we, we we're we're finding a similar emotional place you know um or pedantic stuff you know we're agreeing about the, the colors and sounds and you know that kind of stuff and and the conductor is the person who is ultimately gonna offer the content that you're agreeing on in some ways you know or is somehow opening or allowing the room to get to those places yeah to vibrate in that way you know um we're inviting it to and again that sounds like i i see that as i see the role of the conductor is like bigger than it is i don't um at all um i think that's i think that was accurate yeah Fine. but um but you know so so it's been interesting for me to like try to explain to students what i think is missing from you know to a talented student to say like yeah but you know there's this <laughs> that's not that's not why we came to rehearse and that's not why they're going to buy a ticket. Right. We're they're, all happy that you're, you can tell the intonation of the yeah third bass player. But exactly. Yeah. It's okay, good to be, that, it's good to be accurate. That's nice, but it has nothing to do with why we are just one here. of the ingredients. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, it's so watching that and, and articulating that. And I've even in the short time I've been here, I've, well, the environment has changed a lot at, at at school, and so I've been allowed to change um, because the students have become really excited about doing new music and you know stuff like that. So you've been here four years. This is my fourth year. Yeah, well, that's good. That's also like a full cycle of and a full cycle. Yeah, students. Uh huh. Um, and it's and and but so it's so I can see myself just like just treating them like professionals all the time just you know mm -hmm. and it's the it's the when to teach part that i don't think i get right right i just kind of keep going you know uh -huh. so so you know this is what it sounds like here and oh, oh good you know and just moving on and and, and not like st stopping and going so let's talk about Mahler. Right. You, know, you know what I mean? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh huh. You know, because I because I walk in the room and go like, well, everybody knows the first, you know, the third, of course, you know, you better know the fifth, and then of course you got the ninth standing there. Oh yeah, and the eighth because you're a choral singer, right? So you're gonna know all that stuff, right? And, and of course they're going like, 
And they're all just going, uh-huh. Yeah, uh-huh. You know, my friend sang a song and I really liked it. And I think Gustav Mahler is really cool. And you know what I mean? And, you, and then there's other people who are already there. They're, they're going like, oh my God, you know, I, right. I've been waiting my whole life, you know, all 22 years to sing right. Mahler second, you know? Um, so it's just interesting because I forget um, that, that every piece that I pick up and put in front of them probably could stand a little bit of um, context. So, yeah. yeah. And this is where, and this is where you go find the information and I'm going to open the door to you. My job is not to fill your head. Right. If you want to fill your head, here's the tools to do that. So, yeah, that's a, it's a tough one. It's, it's teaching. Well, you're lucky you have really good students and, Right now, I'm similarly. I'm teaching in Boston, and I've my students are awesome. Mm-hmm. But it's been we've been going through a thing where we're playing some Christian Wolf right now, who is by a, he's he's not easy listening, or his mm-hmm. the context is not jumping off the page. It takes it takes informed. You need to know a few things mm-hmm. to engage it the first time. So it's been funny that particularly struggling with opening the door to the music and then being like, oh yeah. If you're 19, this is this is very nuanced. And how are we going? How can I treat you like a professional, but also coax this? How can I coax the a nuanced and confident performance out of you, without being too pedantic, and without spoon feeding you? And how do you? It's tough. Yeah, I mean, I you know, I think when we did, we just did Roscoe Chapel in in January, and I that's felt, right, and I heard it went very well. It did. It was it was really fun. Um, And I think they got into it in the end, but I I don't think I did that in the beginning. Um, and, you know, it's not fun to sing. It's right. not a fun piece to sing, you know. Um, and there's a lot of music like that. It doesn't matter if it's... It, it doesn't matter the composer if it's fun or not because he's not, <laughs> he's not like, looking at you going, gee, I really hope you want to do my piece, you know. He's... <laughs> or she is much more intent on some other thing, you know. Right. So... Um, so in that case, there's a lot to talk about in that. You know, there's all this, you know, philosophy. And there's this, back, you know, this background stuff and his own writings and speaking about it and and the chapel itself and all that sort of stuff. And I sort of, I think I went like halfway there, but I didn't go kind of all the way through it. And as a result of that, you get to the end with the little tune and everything. And I think they were just kind of going, what is going We I, Why did we just stand here for, you know, 20 minutes going, you know, and then sometimes I get my pitch from the viola. So, you know, um, um, you are saying they're going like, I cannot get a pitch from a timpani. <laughs> no matter, right. no matter. <laughs> to save my life, I can't get the pitch from the timpani. Um, and then all of a sudden there's like, and everybody goes like, ah. yeah, right. So like, I don't, like, you just know, don't I, smile too much when you get there. Okay. Yeah. Right. Please. <laughs> Be yeah. cool. It's about his childhood. It's about his childhood. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, so you know, anyway, it's a it's something I don't know if I'll ever get that right because I don't have I don't well, and I think the probably one of the best things maybe you never have to cuz I think uh what I hope people get from me and what they probably get from you as well as your just general sense of like there's something new on the page, we're going to we're going to do it. Let's dive in as far as we can. Let's do it great. Let's do the next one. Yeah. And I'm by the way, tomorrow I got another thing and I on this summer, I'm doing 17 things. <laughs> right. what, are you, what are you doing? So I'm right. doing 17. Right. So, yeah. And then you just hope that they'll be like, I'm going to be like that guy. If he can do 17, 
and and you know, and that goes back to the quality of our students because they are those people. Right. They are. They're 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 doing amazing things in the summer, and you don't even know it. You're just like, what are you doing? I was talking to this one woman that's in the BCE, which is our choir that did the concert over the weekend, and she's saying like, well, you know, I'm going to be graduating, so I'm in this program, and I have to write. It turns out she's going to Scotland for six months and then Italy for six months and it's all research. She winds up in Paragor in France where she's there for a year and she's writing, but she has to add Spanish because it's a quadrilingual thing that she's working on. And <laughs> Right. Well, that is that is the cool thing about Northwestern. Yeah, and you're like, going like oh my God, I never would have gotten into this school. <laughs> that's, how, that's how I felt at Dartmouth when it was like, I was I was working with some some very talented students, but also like they've gone on to... I think honestly, one of my students that I kind of want to, I, I coached her in the new music ensemble and we, we stayed in touch a bit. She first was, uh, she moved to New York and worked in admin for George Steele at city opera, mm-hmm. but then went back to business school, I think. And now are you familiar with like, um, those like, sh- like shave club for men or Harry's like these like online, you could sign up for this shaving company. No. And a box every month a box would come to your house with um the requisite number of razors and shaving cream. So you don't have to think about it. You just sign up and your little right. your little man shaving kit arrives. <laughs> so my student apparently made this for tampons. Oh yes. So she has this company that like women can fill it out gets all their preferences boom every that's month awesome i think it's amazing that's incredible yeah like who would have thought who would have thought of that right but it was like the day you know it was like on the internet and saw saw her post about something i was like you did a you're awesome good you know like so and that, that's just one of many examples of yep. of what these kids can do which is also again for me the one the th- that's the thing i really miss about teaching at Dartmouth you know I'm now at a conservatory we're 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 crushing the crushing that professional music career Mm -hmm. and they're very talented and we're we're having big ideas and stuff too but at Dartmouth you never yeah it was like oh you're off to Africa for three years tomorrow yeah cool okay see you when you get back yeah well the another thing about Northwestern is that uh, you know which which is sort of related is that half of my students or more I think it's actually right now it's more are five degree dual degree a uh, five year dual degree right. students so they are they're not completely focused on the conservatory part of their lives um and I have to remember that because I do forget it um well I think it's your job to forget it it could be that you just I always thought about that you just have to, as much as you can expect when you're with me, you are the best musician in the world. I think I do expect that. It's, 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 it's forgetting what they go through um, with like midterms and finals because right. it's not a part, like even in the music school, midterms and finals aren't like that. So the fact that they're over at Weinberg and there's like, you know, somebody going like, yeah, if you get a D, you, 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 you know, right. your, your scholarship will go away. <laughs> right. And it's really hard and we expect you to, you know, so it's just, it's interesting. Yeah. That was, that's, that was some of my favorite. That stuff is some of my favorite stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so how many months a year are you in Philly? 
Well, you know, I go out and back and out and back and back and back all the time. So I would say that, you know, <clears throat> because there's a lot of weekends involved. I mean, I don't miss all that much school. Uh, and they're, and the, and the school is great about it. And my grad students take over and, you know, things get done. And, um, but you know, I miss a little bit of every quarter and, and I listen, I miss a lot of weekends. And so when you look at like, when I do my taxes <laughs> and add up all the days that I've been away from my domicile, uh-huh. um, I, uh, it's a on nearly eight, six months. Okay. So nearly uh, half and half. Okay, so you're you're getting close to 200 days. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like we're leaving. We leave June. Uh, I leave June seventh, and I come back September fourteenth. And um, I'll the, miss you. Yeah, thank you, thank you. <laughs> well, come with us. Uh, yeah, um, I'll come to Philly. I'll see you. In, I'll see you in Montana. <laughs> um, it, yeah. So it's the, we have the residency in Montana, and then two weeks in Hawaii, and the rest of it's work. In an undisclosed location. After in undisclosed, yes, yes. <laughs> not it's not. Oh, and, Aurora, and um, boop. <laughs> um, it's work, and it's a lot of work. You know, we're doing three recordings, and um, this huge project that takes two nights to perform, as we talked about earlier, and that's going to mostly Mozart in August. So, um, it, we, that revives, and then the, the, our. Gavin Breyer's thing was snowed out in January, so that's kind of plopping down in the middle of June because we need to remount it. In New York. In New York. And um, and then we're getting this whole Ted Hearn um, show together that we're recording. We're going to do it at the Fringe in Philly. And then, what, four mo- three months later? Four months later, I guess, then we're taking it to Boston and New York. Um, so that is all... And we're doing we're recording Canticles of the Holy Wind of John Luther Adams. So it's a crazy summer, but it's again that goes back to the beginning of the conversation. Thank you. Do you? Yeah. How do you deal with? Do you ever block out? I mean, aside from your two weeks of summer vacation, do you? Do you? Do you burn out? Do you worry about burnout, or do you just go into such catatonic? I need to be busier when you're not busy that. Um, I don't because I love to read. So the, the one of the biggest stresses in my life is going, oh, God, oh, God, I have all the stuff I have to do and I'm not going to get to read. Um, and reading is a really huge part of my life, as you can see by looking around this mess. So you've read all these books? I'm staring at lots of books. Um, yeah, I'd say most of them. Yeah. You Good. should see how many we have at home. That's great. Um, the... I mean, some of these are sort of like research. I haven't read ornamentation in Baroque and post-Baroque music from cover to cover, you know. Um, <laughs> you should. But <laughs> um, but I certainly have read The Sixth Distinction from cover to cover, you know, and all the fiction, um, the, the Faulkner collection here. and um, the Anyway, that really informs the projects that, that I do everywhere, you know, um, primarily with The Crossing, but also here at at Northwestern, it's a huge part of my thinking it has to do with reading. So that I get really stressed out if there's not reading time. And I also get stressed out when I don't feel like I'm managing my partnership very well. Um, well, sure. Which is, I, well, I shouldn't say I get stressed out all the time about that because I would be 100% stressed out all the time because I don't think I ever really manage it very well. But there's times when I can feel 
you know, we, you know, everybody knows they, they don't admit it, but they can sort of feel the temperature of, of the partnership at any given time. And you sort of agree that this is, this is a, this is this particular time is a time when we're not going to talk about that temperature because there's just crap flying all over the place. This particular time, the crap's been flying for a month now and things just have got to settle down a little bit. And that, that moment that stresses me out because I sometimes don't know what to do about it. I don't, I feel, I feel like, okay, okay. I'm just going to settle down. I'm going to focus and we're going to have, you know, several nights. I know that you're, there's, I think you're always aware of it. Yeah. I feel like I often know your, your life and relationship to your feelings about how things are going at home. Mm-hmm. That there's an awareness. Yeah. I'm aware of it. I just don't know, you know, like it's, I also feel this tremendous responsibility. I mean, I've, you know, I've been given the opportunity to create a body of work that is a substantial contribution to um, the way in which people think about writing for choirs and the way in which people write, sing in choirs and the way in which people listen. And I know that, you know, that's not, I'm, that sounds like <laughs> if I was listening to that, I might go like, Holy crap, that guy's so full of himself. But, I don't see that that way. I see it as a responsibility. Like I have this amazing group of people who are invested in it. I the energy a, is there. And if you, yeah, I have a school it. that's invested in it and, um, it's a responsibility that I love, but it also is a responsibility that could, I could do it 24 seven with no sleep at all. And I'd still be chasing my tail. Totally. Um, so, so, um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I am often aware uh, everyone I'm, you know, I'm, uh, I am a happy father who's raising a, a young, a young man, which mm-hmm. is great. And it is, it is, it is my life's focus, but I'm sometimes frequently aware that that comes at the cost of creating more creating more work and more music right because it is yeah it's something i think about a lot it's like ah i know what i could be doing right now right and i didn't have that opportunity and and i don't regret that but i um but it's not something that i take lightly that you know that there aren't any children in 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 my life i didn't want what well, i'm not saying that as do a that. condemnation of you not no no that. i know but I, of course you're not <laughs> no but i'm just saying like you know there's, there's there's something to be said for having children and raising them um and and not ignoring them um but um i think i but just just to support you are in a lucky position that like we all fight so hard to try to make any spark happen in our in our field that when you when you have it and you're seeing good things happen it's a it's a it's a great privilege. Yes. And you should you should honor that. I do. And my partner does. Uh, it, it it's just time together can can be and time with anybody. Time with, you know, my grad students who, you know, I really, really do I keep a very small group of people so that I can spend a lot of time with them, but there's still times when I go like, I'm sorry, I'm just not I'm not available. I'm not even mentally available, let alone physically, you know. Um so or physically, let alone mentally. But but the question you ask is, do I Carbon lock space. stuff off? And, you know, I think it's weird because for me, just having time by myself, even if I'm working, but I'm by myself and I'm really, you know, like I'm able to concentrate on a score for an hour by myself. That's that's 
that's that time. That's great right. for me. That's that's my vacation, and I'm Little happy with micro it. vacations in your head. Yeah, because I'm just it's just me and 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 a bunch of notes and quiet and it's awesome. It's some of my favorite time I have in my life, and always have had. Is just being you know shutting everything and going. Here's the time that I'm going to spend with the score. Yeah, I guess. Well, I'm living in fear of. I feel like when I look at my schedule right now, it just goes, just mm-hmm. just just goes. There's not like a slow month for a while, mm-hmm. which is great, which feels wonderful. But I do worry about the burnout. But similarly, as you say, like tomorrow, I'm home all day, just in my house. I'll have seven hours of uninterrupted studio time. Oh my god! And that's like. What a dream. And that uh, comes at the cost of the day after that. I'm going to f- begin flying everywhere to work with mm. all my projects. But I've got seven hours of quiet. That's incredible. So good. I will have lots of thoughts. Yeah. Yeah. It will be a, it will be a restful, wonderful day. So that thought time, that's, that's really, really just stopping in the middle of the day and going out to the lake is really important. That's so, nice. You are you are just. I'm staring at it. You're you have to stare at me, but I can. Yeah, you can. I see can it. see. Yeah, beautiful waves crashing. It's right pretty now. nice. My okay. I have one other very specific question. I guess. Um, one. Well, it's a two parter. I guess. One. How do you have time to listen? How do you your process of listening and discovering composers and music, and then how did how did you get to the place? Like, I guess the the point is like the crossing. You guys are. You guys generate work. You are a work generating bunch of people, and pretty quickly became. I mean, it's 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 somewhat breathtaking when I think of, you know, other or other new music organizations that I've either been affiliated with or my friends are affiliated with. We're you know we're all we're all getting music made, but you know, a couple pieces a year, and we're all like slowly raising the money, and you're like we're doing 17 new pieces and then the next year, you know, it's like, how, how, you know, it's funny because only this year have I, this season have I buckled down to the fundraising thing and just given in gone. I have to go. If the, if the, if this is going to happen, I have to go ask some people for a lot of money. Um, and, and it's been really <laughs> wonderful because um, there are a number of people who I think have been waiting for me to do that. Um, uh-huh. you know, have made it really obvious. It's like, it's kind of like, you know, that, that person who you always thought was just a really good friend and is always hovering or, or, or a person who's just sort of hovering around and all this kind of stuff. Never realized that they were trying to make themselves available to you because they really, really like you, you know, right, what I mean? right. <laughs> and you kind of missed that because you had this crush on them and you thought, well, that could never be right. Um, so, so, it's interesting because, you know, um, these people, you know, are incredibly supportive, never miss anything, really, really just, you know, and say the right stuff, too. They come away, you know, they come away from a concert and they don't go like, wow, this is amazing virtuosity, you know, which is nice. But instead, they come away and say, you know, I, I want to talk about how raw I felt in that concert, you know, or... I want to talk about the silence that existed in the room, you know, or stuff, stuff like that. Stuff that, you know, really does mean something to me. Um, the way in which people listen um, to each other and to 
to um, my singers when they're, you know, because they're the people who are making the, the sounds in the air. You know, the music is happening as a result of their lungs and bodies and not me. So um, anyway, it's really, so, so approaching a number of those people and saying, so listen, <laughs> so we have this huge, huge project, you know, and this major foundation gave us $250,000 to do it, but we're 110 short. Um, and that's just a part of the budget for the, you know, not even half the budget, you know, uh, for the year. And three years ago, we were looking at a budget that, you know, was half of what that one grant is, you know. Um, and, and so, whew, I'm, you know, <laughs> ah, I'm, I'm holding on here and I'm not getting freaked out, but I'd like to say to you that the reason all that's happening is because um, people are listening and they find that what our, what our projects are are important to them. They, they mean something to them. Um, so I need, I need your help. I need your help to get there. And it's really interesting to hear myself say that after, after you know, I'm 55. I've been in professional music for 30 years, and I've never had the guts to to do that. And I believe so strongly that, look, The Crossing started out, literally, I know we write it in our promo stuff, but it's true. We started out as a bunch of people who missed each other. I was living in Wales, some San Francisco, Chicago, whatever. Everybody had moved, or not everybody, but a bunch of people had moved away. And we had loved singing together in various professional situations when we were in Philadelphia together. And we were having a beer, and we said we should we should do a concert. Why not? Let's all come back, and we'll do a concert. And, and we laughed about it, and we went away. And then that's when Jeff, my co-founder who I talked about earlier, wrote to me in Wales and says, so when, you come, when is this? When is this happening? Um, so there was no intention, really, to do the description that I said earlier about, you know, the significant body of work and et cetera. But it is it has happened really fast and or quickly. And um, I mean, partly because it's been a group of people who have the right energy. Yeah. Sound maybe the best energy. Yeah. Who really, you know, who started out going, well, let's split the box office and hopefully it will pay for parking or gas. And then let's let's up the game and start commissioning and we'll maybe pay a couple hundred dollars, you know, and for the, for the singers and we'll put more of the money into the commissions because that's important. And then we'll, you know, and now we're doing what we're doing and there's a lot of um, collaborations and invitations and um, I, I, you know, again, invitations to record invitations to, to do stuff with other ensembles and, um, so, so the question you asked, well, maybe that answered it that I was, you know, it, from the outside, like how the heck is, how the heck are you generating all of this? Oh. But it's, but maybe the answer is just, we all love each other and we just got excited. Yeah. And it's and interesting. I mean, I'm really, you know, I'm very careful about who comes in. Okay. Cause I mean, the group doesn't look anything like it did 10 years ago. I mean, people have lives, you know, they change, they go away and we do import. Um, probably over a third to a half of our group into Philly. But it's still a really Philadelphia-centric um, group of singers. And, um, yeah, I think we're really, we're very careful about who, um, 
we invite to the party you know it's funny last summer in big sky i had this round table with the composers oh no with the conductors who were who were there um who were who they sing they sing as um kind of fellows in the choir with us um but a number of them are conductors who are are really interested in just kind of finding out what we do with this music you know which is great um and one of them said something about um you know i noticed i've, I've been following you guys around and etc and i noticed that you're always having fun. Like here we are and we're just working really hard, hours and hours a day, you know, and everybody's having fun. And I said, you know, it's it, it's a really, really significant rule. Don't let anybody in the room you don't want to be there. Just don't. Don't say, I need that extra tenor, so I'm going to take that ass. Um, just go, I will have to do it without that tenor because we're not having you know, creepy Billy in the room. <laughs> um, and, and it's not like there's a lot of creepy Billies out there, but... But no, it can ruin the whole... But it can ruin the whole oh, thing. You know, when you have worst. somebody comes in and, and, you know... Yeah. And just... Is just not there to f- explore... <laughs> Honestly, it's just not there to explore themselves, you know, to ask questions. So... And so I think that's part of it. Um well, it's interesting thinking about that you started it when you were 45. Yeah. Which... Living in Cardiff. <laughs> that's, the, that's the best. You yeah. know, I, 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 Where I, it rains every day. I think about... Uh, I think a lot about... Uh, uh, you're, you're a couple of years older than me. Just a couple. Yeah, you think. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, you know, as, I, as I'm entering... I'm about to turn 40. Mm-hmm. As I'm entering this next phase. You know, you always wonder, like how am I going to make my career fun for the next 25 years? But you just, you call your friends that you love and say, I miss you. Let's make some music. You do. And then if that happens, maybe, maybe something cool will happen. You know, I think about my whole, uh, love affair with, with John Luther Adams. I mean, I loved his music professionally, but what really changed it was drinking beers with some friends and daring each other to go to Alaska. And then it was a camping trip that like, essentially set the last 10 years for me on on its head because we were like yeah let's go to the tundra that might be fun and then you and then just like Mm -hmm. inspiration strikes and then and once you have that moment then you can do whatever but that that sounds like you're just having fun because you and your friends missed each other and then you needed projects to keep coming together and then you had good ideas and trusted each other's ideas and and shared energy were the crossing just you alone in a at a desk making mercenary proclamations you wouldn't have got as far as the embrace no i don't think we would have gotten anywhere because exactly you know but having your your mates around you carrying the torch and you know whether it's just in loving feedback or trust or or ideas, or yeah. I'm going to help find the church while you go over and have that conversation. That stuff can get done. Yeah, it's you know it's, it's so I talk with my grad students about all this kind of stuff, you know, a lot because a lot of them want to do what I'm doing, you know, on their on their mm-hmm. own, um, which is great. I mean, it's one of the one of the reasons I'll take you on and mentor you is that you you've got some idea it doesn't have to be new music but you got some idea you know that you want to do this thing so and um so 
I will, um, we talk about a bunch of things about like how do you know how do you start a group and there are people out there so everybody every town the size of toledo has a now has a small um professional choir which is awesome everybody everybody all over the place it's just exploding and it's incredible it's great um but some of them have people in their lives with means who can go like yes i'll you know you should just import the choir that you want and you'll right and and you can do it, and so they bring them in, and they do you know, the Mozart Requiem and um, Hyde Mass and all that kind of stuff, and 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 the energy's not there, totally. You know, it's it it it's it's kind of a boxed choir, a prepackaged choir in a way, you know, mm-hmm. and the energy's not right, and and so the conductor may be having fun, but the singers are eh, not so much, you know. I don't know. You know, another thing I think is that what we're do- what we are doing is pretty new. There's the other choir is Bob Geary's group Volte in San Francisco that has been for over twice as long as us, um, commissioning lots of great works and many many, um, and doing lots of recordings. They have a lot of recordings. Um, great group of people. Bob's terrific. For some reason, the, it's just a little different. Um, I don't really know why. Um, um, it might be uh, the approach that I take to commissioning is different because I know that it is slightly different. I'm really hands on about it. Um, well, and that's great. Like, really, really, it would like, be it would be sad had you said I would like to copy that group in San Francisco. Yeah, right. Well, because yeah, that's always the thing with like with all this stuff. I get so sad when I see one group trying to. Just mimic the other one. Like, what's the instruction? Let's let's reverse engineer that career. Yeah. Well, I have like, to be honest. I didn't even know about them really until right after we'd started. Um, but yeah, I'm very well. For, for one thing, is that you know, I'm really hands on about um, commissioning, like about in terms of text and the parameters, and I want that all very clear, and I want to know that my audience and my artists are both going to engage completely with what this piece is going to be about. And then fine, then I won't bother you and you go write whatever you want, you know. People uh, are freaking out about David's piece in a good way. By the way, I've since your concert premiering David's oh, really? piece, I've heard many an unsolicited rave about about the piece and the performance. Oh, it's so beautiful. But I, talking about its relationship to this new building yeah. and things and just the brilliant use of text and it's just it's and it's so thoughtful and I'm so grateful for him because he he really took the time to. He's the best. Yeah, I mean, he took, he took he took it really, really seriously, and it's just a beautiful piece. Uh, yeah, really lucky. And we did this other piece that he wrote last summer for Tanglewood called "Where You Go," which is based on the Book of Ruth, and that's also a spectacularly beautiful piece. So it was a great time. So case in point of. Well, interestingly, although the parameters of what we what I wanted. We're clear. David's one of the only composers who well, he never does what you want him to do. Yeah, he does. He takes that as a point of departure. Yeah, and he, and he doesn't do. give you the piece you asked for. He gives you the piece, that, a better piece. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm. I don't bother him about that. You know, you trust him. I I, I do because the the first outing on that was um, a, a a project called the the Levine Project. It was based around poetry of Philip Levine. This is our first, our second month of modern. So this is five years ago or so. Maybe six, and 
Um, so all three three new works supposed to be based around the poetry of Philip Levine. <clears throat> and I have this history with Phil, and I love him or loved him. He's gone now. Um, and um, and he was like, sure, <laughs> I don't know, <laughs> um, fine. Um, and so I wrote to David and said, you know, wonder if you'd write a piece for this. And he uh, said, yeah, I'm not sure I'll set Philip Levine. <laughs> like, well, <laughs> well, okay, but wait, so this is called the Levine Project, you know? <laughs> anyway, so like he went away and was quiet for a while and he came back and he said, okay, so I, you know, this is what I want to do. I want to set this Eugene Debs speech that he gave when he was convicted of sedition, you know, to, statement to the court, you know. And it's right, you know, Phil Levine will love this. And he's right. <laughs> he, he would. He would like go like that. That's perfect. You know, that's 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 a better poem than I ever could write, you know. Um, and so I'm like, OK, yeah, this Phil Levine project starring Eugene Debs. But it turned out to be this amazing piece that actually has real oh, legs. Um, it's been done a lot. And it's, it's, it's a great piece, you know. So he, he's I don't know. He has an instinct. He knows best. Not to say that others don't, but I just know my audience really well, and I don't want them going out and going like, "I got this great idea," and then, and then right. they, they come in with they've spent time and energy really thinking about a piece based around a text that I'm not that my that my artist will not take seriously, and mm -hmm. so I'm I just don't go there. Well, it's, well, again, it's you're protecting the family and yeah, yeah, it's nice, yeah. Um, I could talk to you all day, but I feel like you have to call your mom and I feel like you have to go work. Yeah. I, I mean, I got a little more time, but we should, we can go when, when, when you want. Is there anything else? Like, I, I mean, it's just fun to talk to you. <laughs> I don't know about that. It's fun to talk to you. I'll say that, you know, we don't spend enough time together and we live in the same town, which is ridiculous. It's, um, it's a horrible thing and it's a great yeah. thing and that we're both thriving. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's, yeah, it's like that with everybody. I mean, there's this friend. I have this friend, um, Dimitri's fantastic artist, choreographer, actor guy. Lives in Edgewater. I haven't seen, you know, like we used to see each other every three weeks or so. I haven't seen him in like six months. It's terrible. Um, but you know, again, he's he's busy too. So. Well, this the funny thing, as I said before, of going into podcasting has actually basically been a better it's just an excuse to have a practice of meeting with a friend mm. and like getting down to it is that what what what's what made you what made you get up one morning and go like you know i think i'm gonna do this it's an interview it's thing. a great dumb no it's a good question uh i am always having really great and inspirational conversations with people and so i just thought how fun to share them because like rather than I feel like I'm always like talking about my friends positively to other people or yeah. but this way we can kind of get down to some interesting stuff. And I think it's um, should people want to listen to it. I think it's I think it's worth sharing. I know I sitting down and talking to I get something out of talking to people I admire and then it takes me an extra 20 minutes to put it onto SoundCloud and hopefully. Right. You know, like thinking about whether it's even just our students or our friends or, you know, right. I think my wife and parents get more out of the podcast than listening to me play concerts. 
<laughs> so and then maybe it's also also then also it's like personal therapy a little bit i didn't realize i was in it for the therapy but you know like it's nice to just talk ideas with other supportive people and i come away energized typically so i don't know i just decided to start doing it and also i think it came from tim and Roe being on the road we both listened to podcasts and we both talked about doing it and then i made my friend alex i was like i just am the kind of person who i was like I bought the Zoom recorder and I said, hey, Alex, make me a logo. <laughs> and so I had a logo and a website and a Zoom recorder. And that's it. That's, it. that's kind of as far as it got. That's awesome. So it's similarly, it's just like, it just seemed like something to do. And I've, I've told myself I'm going to do it. I'm going to do at least a year. Mm-hmm. I'm doing them every other week and I'm going to do at least 25 of them. I can't quit for 25. Wow, though. that's amazing. Because at least that'll get me out of my quick Rolodex. Right. I feel like I can get out of my Rolodex it's i think i'm okay yeah and it's just nice to talk to people and similarly had i not called you to do this we would not have hung out until no. august or september no. 15th no i would have gone like i have to go straight up to the recital rehearsal and yeah it, it's so it's just it's really just it's that simple and i and i think i think it would be good for people even if it's to hear like i don't know it's just nice I'm because just, I also, I also, if I, if I'm going to put, yes. if you're going to turn this on me for two seconds, yes. if I have an ax to grind about, about musicians and about the way, um, we're all so up our own ass. Like you hear an interview <laughs> with a musician, it's all like everybody's party line in their face off and making it sound the best. And then we have to listen to some out of context example of some piece of music and then maybe talk about form and like kill me. What I want to hear and what I hope for the world to hear, especially, and I think, I guess it is thinking about young, younger musicians. Or actually, I don't care. I think any of us on a bad day, I, listening to us say, like, I had an idea when I'm 45. I had no idea. It was really fun. Some of the best years of my life. I have just not figured out. And I'm scared of death. I think that feels good. That feels honest. Yeah. And so that I, I can stand behind some honesty and then, I, I think, yeah, I'll be curious, you know, it's interesting. I'd be curious to know if at, at, at when you get to 25, what, um, like, are, and you mm-hmm. listen to all of them, is there anything to, are there any conclusions to be drawn? Like, are there any conclusions to be drawn about, like, what, what type of person that you want to spend time with or what, or, or what, or what, um, what artists focus on when when put in an informal situation in which their mic- microphone is in their you know yeah. hand how much you can detect an agenda from from us right. or or whether or whether that there isn't one you know it's just interesting to me you know i I find one of the most shocking things about coming to not shocking. <laughs> definitely not shocking. That's really over dramatic. Um uh one of the interesting observations that I found um in my first two years of teaching was how much content I was teaching. Like how how I thought I would come and I would it would be all like technique. Right. You, know, you do this and you do this and you do this. But I realized that my life had gone in a direction where I don't even think about technique and, and the people around me largely don't either. Um, and while young people need to be thinking about it, what they really needed from me or what they were really asking from me, um, maybe not 
directly was the content issue. Like what, why are we doing this? And what is it, what, what's it going to do for my life? And what does it mean? And, right. um, and that's something that I've struggled with and think, well, not struggle with, but just think about it. I think about it all the time. You know, what are we doing? What are we doing? Totally. Um, yeah. Um, so I guess I'm asking that question. Yeah. Right. And, and, and good, I feel like a lot of people are asking themselves that. So if, if people stumble into it, hopefully they can listen to some people talk about the fact that we're all still, I mean, in some ways it's like that thing you get older and realize you're older. I'm still searching in the same way that well, I'm maybe searching harder now than I was when I was 24. Yeah. Cause I'm aware of like, Oh God, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm not afraid of the question anymore, but I don't know any of the answers, you know, that's, it was interesting. So when I missed your concert, um, I, the other day I was playing with Mark Mellitz, this composer who was mm-hmm. turning 50 and he's getting to the place of, he's like, I just don't give a shit anymore. He's like, I, you know, this is great. And I love it. And I'm writing music, but like, I'm just, I'm just, let's just get it done. I'm not mm-hmm. worried about all the little stuff anymore. Cause as you, like you have, you know, you have like life and death stuff to think about. Yeah. Yeah. So like, and, but that's not that that's a, it's a whole, it's an intense and all encompassing thing. But if you can find solace in like singing music with people you love or yeah. getting people to look, you know, like that's, well, that love thing is really important too. Like it is, it's just, it just is, you, you know, audiences can tell whether it's in the room or not. And singers, of course, like that makes or breaks them. They'll do the gig. Right. But they're not going to give if there's not that capacity in the room somewhere, you know? Um, so it's, uh, yeah, it's interesting. Again, we, we're preparing Mahler two for, uh, a Victor Jampolsky to conduct <clears throat> later in May. And I don't do a lot of music like that anymore. I mean, I just, you know, and I love it. I mean, it's just, Oh my God. Oh. But it's very different than it's, it's also very, very, very different in its, linear trajectory and it's narrative you know content all that kind of stuff then almost everything i do um and so i was talking to the students about like what you know the the question the existential question that Mahler started asking when he was like four or five i guess you know apparently and like and maybe never came to the conclusion too. Although if you listen to the end of the ninth, you can draw some conclusions about his conclusions. Um, and, and even, even the end of Dusty Fonte Ed, I think, you know, really tells some really telling stories. Um, but the, that whole talk that I was giving to, and also talking about the, the Dodger from the 10th and, um, wound up talking about love it wound up talking about like where does love fit into all of that you know and what was the like the what's the conclusion of the eighth symphony and why does that lead to this kind of resignation in the ninth symphony all this kind of stuff we just started just you couldn't avoid the the word whatever it means it's so much a part of when art works Uh uh-huh so interesting and I'm here, you know, here I am having done it for all these years. And I just, I'm sitting here shaking my head going, it's mind boggling. 
and it's the best when that that happens yeah like for me when it's the thing that i it's funny you know repertoire is important and all of the thoughts of what kind of music we're doing is important but at the end of the day when i think about my coming weeks i'm flying to texas to play with my best friend i'm then I'm going to fly out to my students and do a final concert with them. Who And we're just going to have a love fest all week. <laughs> then I'm going to see a couple of my other best friends to play some other concerts. And it's just, it's really about the like, I'm getting to like engage in these things. And it was funny at the Mellets concert I played, um, there's a percussionist in town named Ian Ding, who's my age and super talented, but we're, I think we, I think we really respect each other, but don't, we've only played together like one other time. Mm. But what was fun is we played this kind of piece where we put ourselves on the wire. It was kind of, it was hard. And then as soon as we got up there, Ian just kind of took off and really like was totally fearless. And then I trusted in him and he trusted in me. And we like, it was a very fearless performance. And at the end, there's a held last note and we both just looked up and like kind of were smiling and laughing at each other at like, you know, it was like, oh, what a spark of good friendship. There's a future in this friendship. And it was really like, it was really touching. And so the music as a vehicle for that. Yeah. And that was the only comment at the end. They were like, that smile was really nice. I was like, yeah, we kind of, there was a human moment in all of it. Yeah. That transcended all of it. And that was the best part of the whole thing. That's so awesome. Yeah. Okay, call your mother. All right, I'm going to call my mother. Thanks for talking to me. Thank you.